Hey, this is Mike Kim, author of You Are the Brand, the eight-step blueprint to showcase your unique expertise and build a highly profitable, personally fulfilling business. And you are listening to Relationships and Revenue with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your humble host, John Hewlin. So glad that you decided to join us today. And it is my privilege to bring back to you Mike Kim. Mike, how are you? John, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. And for all who are tuning in, I hope to add some value again, <laughs> the best I can. Well, I have no doubt that you're going to be adding value to us because, folks, I can't begin to tell you how excited I have to have Mike with us today. And here's why. If you heard his intro at the beginning, he told you he is the author of the brand new book. That's right. His brand new book. And see, I've got my notes here for those of you who are watching on YouTube. If you're, if you're only listening, that means you need to go to YouTube and watch it as well. We'll have both for you. So he says, you are the brand, the eight-step blueprint to showcase your unique expertise and build a highly profitable, personally fulfilling business. Boom. Okay, we're done, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go read the book. That's right. That's right. Okay, tell me more. It's all in the book. <laughs> well, folks, for those of you who have never heard Mike before, and first of all, if you haven't, where have you been? But beyond that, you're going to want to get to know Mike better. I can promise you after this, you're going to want to, because Mike is a brand strategist. He does it for coaches. He does it for business thought leaders. He does it for authors like himself. And I am an aspiring author. I'm working on my first book, but you guys already knew that. Um, just to remind everyone, it is called Masculine Revolution, How to Ask for Directions Without Losing Your Man Card. So <laughs> super excited about getting that book out for all of you to consume in the very near future. But he is really about helping folks create impact with their messages. That's really what Mike's all about and helping us to be able to do it better. So Mike, tell us about some of the people you've worked with in the past that we might know. Yeah, I've been really humbled over the years to attract to these opportunities. And I use that word purposely I didn't really go seek him, seek them out. Mm -hmm. They just kind of came to me. And I think there's, there's something to be said to that because of the way that I branded myself and the work that I did to make sure that people knew who I was or what I could do for them and build a reputation. So uh, over the, over the last couple of years, I've been able to work with people like Dr. Daniel Amen, who's mm -hmm. a leading um, brain specialist, if yeah. you will. Uh, Joseph McClendon, who's Tony Robbins' number two speaker at his events. Uh, John Maxwell, leadership author, highly heralded leadership author. Uh, Donald Miller, author of StoryBrand, founder of StoryBrand, uh, a wonderful, wonderful marketing company. 
And you can see here that I, I'm working Suzanne Evans, another coach based, I think, in uh, North Carolina. Uh, she's got a huge following. And you can see here that I'm really working with people who I believe have great ideas, great messages, a strong reputation, mm. and expertise that really needs to head out, you know, go out into the world and impact people's lives. And the thing is, John, there it's not limited just to these handful of really big quote unquote influential people. Mm-hmm. There are folks that you impact that I will never impact and vice versa. And it doesn't matter how big our tribes or how small our tribes are. Those people need a voice in their life. And so I've really committed my career to helping people create impact with their ideas and get their message heard. Because once I started to do that in a way that made sense and was authentic, these opportunities started to come to me. And so I just had to steward them well. But that's really what the book is about. You are the brand. That's what my business is about. Telling people it's you that they're buying. So become a better version of you. And if you do, more and more opportunities will come. For sure. For sure. Now, folks, you need to understand something. I've known Mike for quite a while now. And he's not just somebody that I recommend to you because, folks, Mike is my coach. He coaches me on things like branding and about content creation, specifically copywriting, but and and marketing in general. So it's I'm not just telling you pay attention to Mike. I've been paying attention to him long before I started talking to you about him. So that's I want you to know it's it's not something that I just talk about. It's something I actually do. So thank you. <laughs> oh, you bet. You bet. Honored to play a part. Uh, you know, and that's and that's something else I wanted to mention, Mike. That's really important for folks to hear. It's that one of your best attributes from my perspective is the fact that you treat someone who is brand new to knowing Mike, who has zero platform, has nothing. You treat that person the exact same as you do someone like John Maxwell. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And I, I, I try to do that. Um, people aren't different. The stakes are sometimes different. Hmm. Uh, but the stakes are... I think in many ways bigger for the person who's just starting out than the person who's been established for 30 years. Like I remember what that was like. And a lot of that's in, in the book, really that journey of pivoting, pivoting my career, not once, but twice within three years Mm. (laughs) and going through that kind of identity crisis and asking yourself who I am. We've all done that. What do I want to do with my life? We've all done that. And what I've learned, John, is that When you can meet people where they are, usually, especially if they're in their greatest time of need or greatest season of confusion, and you can help them right where they are, they'll be with you for a really, really long time. Uh, One of the, one of the maxims I try to live by and conduct business by, and I I say this in the book is don't look for a significant place to serve, (laughs) make where you serve significant. And what I mean by that is um, the people who are already following you make a big deal out of them. The people who, no matter how big or small the crowd is, make a big deal out of them. I remember my very first client. He was such a big deal because he was my very first and only client. Mm -hmm. And now when I have clients, I try to do the same thing for them because for many people out there, you are going to be someone's first, quote unquote, first. Mm -hmm. You're going to be the first coach they ever work with. You're going to be the first speaker they ever hire. You're going to be the first consultant they ever choose to bring on to a project 
or in front of their company or on into their boardroom. Um, and realizing that that is a sacred trust is really, really important, I think. Yes. Oh, yes. You know, and if you don't want to be to do that over and over and over again, um, it, it, it's going to catch up with you at the end. Now, I also understand that you can't have 30 minute conversations with every single person in the world. And, <laughs> right. and that's why you create channels of content like a podcast, like writing a book, like writing a blog or publishing a newsletter so that more people can be reached with your message mm-hmm. and helped. And if they so choose to move closer and closer and closer to work with you, then you can work with those people. It's exactly what I've done. It's exactly what you've done. It's exactly what a lot of people have done. Mm. And it makes sense. But you do the hard work of making sure you meet people at their own pace and in their own space. Yeah. And that's what a podcast or a book or a blog, anything, the, uh, any, any matter of content can do for people. Um, as much as I like to think that there are folks who enjoy my work, I don't think anyone has ever held a Mike Kim party and invited their friends over for pizza and beer and watched a bunch of my videos in a row. I think most people are probably listening to the podcast alone, listening to our interview today alone, or they're going to read my book alone. And I'm writing and I'm trying to speak to that one person right where they are and try as much as possible to make them feel significant right where they are. Oh, for sure. You know, and you brought up an interesting point there about focusing on essentially your tribe These people you've already attracted, brought into the fold. Because folks, if you don't know it already, it is way easier and dare I say less expensive to keep the people you have than to try and constantly be bringing in new people. That takes a lot more money and definitely a lot more effort to get them into the fold. Yeah, absolutely. And if I could just give an analogy, like let's say you're throwing a party at your house, you know, you you just want people to come over. It's a Super Bowl party or whatever, you know, 20 out of 25 people say yes. And you're so fixated on the five people that didn't show up. (laughs) Um, It's going to spoil the whole evening. It's going to spoil the whole, you know, the whole party. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, we do that all the time in business and in building our brands or launching our podcast or, or creating our programs or whatever it is that we want to do, mm-hmm. or even in our relationships. You know, we, we, we think about who's not there mm-hmm. rather than the people who are there. That's right. right? And, um, you know, I, I've seen this and, and I'm guilty of it as well in my own life. It, it, there's just this syndrome that we have that's always focusing on the grass being greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of the reason is because there's a lot more poop on the other side. There's fertilizer <laughs> there, right? So focus on the people who are here with you, who want to be with you, who want to call you, who want to talk to you, um, who want to be around you, serve mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because folks, the people that you are investing in, who have decided to invest back into you, they will be your biggest advocates, they will sell you better than you could ever sell yourself for sure. And I know you've seen that, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, there's one of the distinctions that we make in the book is that, um, you know, experts are people who have a lot of authority, but they don't necessarily have a a huge following online. Mm -hmm. They might not be a household name. And there are a ton of experts out there. There are a ton of coaches and we may never know who they are. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you can still build a very healthy business doing that as long as you have referrals. Yeah. And that's how most experts generate business. They depend on referrals. Now, if you want to step into a thought leadership space or an inf- more of an influential space, then you have to produce content like we just talked about a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, write books, uh, create podcast episodes, you name it. Get your content out there, put videos on YouTube, you name it. But it's still a relationship business because when I see something on YouTube I will st- that's really good, I'll still share it with my friends. Yeah. I'll still text it to my friends. And so it's a huge thing to understand that and my friend Chris Ducker says this. He said, people do business with people. Yes. They don't do business with businesses or companies. No, people, not at business all. Business is P to P, person yes. to person. And uh, even more so in this expert space. And here I know on the podcast, you talk a lot about revenue. You talk a lot about relationships. Yeah. And name me one relationship that's thriving when you don't do it person to person. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've had some interesting experiences over the last couple of years. Um, where people will hide behind text messaging or emails or DMs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to get to know somebody, especially if it's an, it's a more intimate relationship, you got to have to meet face to face at some point. Yeah. You can only do so much through, through technology. Right. And that's where I think we get so lost in the things that we, we are so dependent on, like our phones and social media mm-hmm. and things like that. That when you really do try to connect with people, it takes them aback. Yeah, yeah. And it stands out so much more. So yeah, I mean that there's so many thoughts on that. Oh, <laughs> and that you know, and that's the even more, I guess, exaggerated because of the year we've gone through. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we are recording this in the middle of May 2021. And so we're at least it feels like we're on the tail end of the COVID-19 pandemic. I guess it depends on where you live, yeah. that, whether that's true or not. But I live in the middle of the United States. And so it's really not affecting us too much here. So, you know, Mike, one of the things that you talk about in the book is that you, you challenge um, the readers to become people, uh, the people, w- I'm going to figure out how I say this become the people we're trying to sell to others. So explain that for us. Well, what does that mean? And how do we do it? <laughs> yeah. So uh, w- one of the things that I see in the personal brand space and by the personal brand space, I mean, people who are trying to uh, gain influence through their ideas, their mm-hmm. expertise, their reputation, or their personality is um, people do it one of two ways. On one hand, they present a false version of themselves. Oh gosh, yes. And they're just, oh. these are people, and this is an extreme example, but this happens. They rent out a really nice Airbnb. They stage a photo shoot and act like it's their house. And oh. these these folks do not realize that you're not owed attention. You have to earn it. Mm-hmm. You truly have to earn it. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have the flip side of people who are always just selling their struggles and they're oversharing in the name of being authentic and real. I'm going to keep it real. Mm-hmm. And they're oversharing too many details. It's like, it's like if you've ever scrolled through Facebook and someone posted a picture of a really nasty gash they had on their knee after falling off their bike or something. I mean, nobody wants to see that. It's no. nasty. <laughs> no. Anytime someone, I don't care if they're my closest friend, I block them. Wow. I, I like mute mm-hmm. their feed. 
Wow. I don't need to, I don't need to be scrolling through the middle of my day and see someone's really nasty gash <laughs> on my feed. Right. You know, right. and I just, I just mute them. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like, it, it's just not necessary. Nobody wants, no, that doesn't add any value to anyone. No. It, what they're saying is, look at how nasty this is. Please, someone like my post and check up on me and see if I'm okay. Dude, yeah. grow up. You know, <laughs> grow up for real. Yeah. That is just a really unhealthy and immature way to ask for help and attention. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just as well just type that online and say, like, hey, I was in this, you know, people posting pictures of their car crash, like, you know, their their car wrangled up. You don't you don't have any idea what kind of triggers right you're going to set off in people who have who just you just put that photo online Mm -hmm. you're being insensitive you're being an idiot really you are you know um so there's just no warning for it Mm -hmm. so what if i lost like my parents in a car accident Mm -hmm. and you decide to post a picture of your car accident on my facebook feed and i see it on monday morning between meetings Oh my God. No one really thinks about this. Right. So you have all these people who are oversharing things and that doesn't work either. You get attention. I'm definitely paying attention to that picture and then I'm blocking it right? because (laughs) it doesn't last. So my litmus test question is, can you build a campfire around what you're sharing? Okay. And what I mean by that is, is it warm? Is it inviting? Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you build a community around it? Yeah. Are you someone who people actually want to spend time and hang around with at a campfire? Yeah. You yeah. know, what happens yeah. at campfires? You shoot the breeze, you tell stories, you laugh, mm-hmm. you have a good time, you kick back. Sure. So when we build a brand that's like that, and by a brand, I mean a public facing identity, mm-hmm. right? But not just that, when we truly become that kind of person, everything else takes care of itself, John. Mm-hmm. Everything else takes care of itself. It's funny, like uh, the last four or five years, um, I, I got divorced about three years ago, but our whole you know mess started about five years ago. And it was the first time in my life, honestly, that I really dated. Because mm. my ex-wife was the second person I ever dated and we got married. Mm. You know, I was 27 and she was 19 at the time. Yeah. So we were kids. Yeah. And so now I'm in this world of, of being more established as a man. I have a career, I have a business and I'm going on these dates. Right. <laughs> and, Sorry. and I'm just like, this is all a lie. Oh gosh. Every date I go on is a lie. I'm lying. Oh brother. I can I'm, tell you some stories. Trust me. Yeah. Oh, I'm putting gosh. on my best version of myself, which is totally not how I act at a dinner with somebody who I meet for the first time is not how I'm going to act by the third or the fifth or the 10th dinner, unless I'm truly being myself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can get dressed up. I can go out to a nice restaurant, whatever. But if I'm going to put on airs and act different the first time I go out versus the fifth time I go out, and that doesn't mean I like act casual and act like I've known this person for five years. I'm courteous. I'm nice. But also I'm not going to put a version of myself out there that is not really me, but people do this all the time. Yeah. Right. And so they build an entire image around it and they end up building something they're not happy with. Oh, yeah. Now they have to keep it up. <laughs> right. right. They have to right. keep it up. And, you know, they'll say, honey, you used to do this when we first dated. You don't do this anymore. Or, you know, you were so different when we first met. And 
maybe it's because that person presented a different view of themselves yeah. or presented a different version of themselves. That is maybe sometimes them, but not every day. Right. And right. That's what branding is. Okay. Well, you know, you brought up some really good points, especially, you know, this, uh, what we're presenting out there in, in the social media hyped world. And it's not like it's getting quieter. It's only getting louder. We're adding new platforms all the time. So let me ask you this. How can we stand out in this ever increasingly loud world? You got to tell your stories. That's the bottom line. And by that, what I mean is you, you start with having a point of view, a point of view, right? Um, I think I've probably shared this the last time I was here, but the questions that I use to pull people's point of view out is what pisses you off? What breaks your heart? What's the big problem you're trying to solve? But by the way, There's, I use those yeah. all the time. Yeah. All see, the there time. you go. And, and it's amazing to me because I didn't think that they were that great in terms of questions, but every, anytime I've shared that with people, they're like, that's really helpful. And what I realized is that this muscle of self-expression has been so atrophied over time. It's been beaten out of us mm-hmm. by corporate America or organizational life or societal rules. Growing up in school, not, in public schools, man, they beat it yeah, out of you there not, too. Yeah. You're not allowed to say what you really think. No. I mean, you are, but within certain boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's one reason why some of the folks I work with uh, who struggle the most come from highly regulated industries. Mm. education law healthcare, military government politics sure anytime those people say something even remotely out of line hand slapped right wrist slapped right or penalized or trouble you know you you go into the you know go take a time out in the corner (laughs) and so what i found is that people struggle because they're trying they're they're basically acting like they would on a first date Mm. they're creating Mm -hmm. a sanitized version of themselves yeah. And they're like, this is, you know, and there's, there's this lack of congruence. There's not a real alignment between who they are and what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So everything starts with you really saying what you think. That's one of the things that I respect about a lot of these polarizing personalities who are out there. Mm. Even if I don't agree with them, I at least know where they stand. True, true. You know, and if you're going to keep following them, then it means you can take it and you agree, or they're just intriguing enough for you to keep following. (laughs) When you don't do that, you become very, you become what I call blender gray. And I talk a lot, a little bit about this in the book. When I was a kid, my mom got caught up in the juice man, juicer craze, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, he had one as well. And she made this, she made this juice. It was the most disgusting thing I'd ever tasted. <laughs> I don't know what she put in it, you know, beets, carrots, grass, moss from our backyard. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and th- it was this weird color. Mm. It was like this brownish gray. Oh, gross. And I was like, what in the world is that? There's nothing gray that you put in there. It was all green and orange and you know, which is, and, and I call it blender gray. Okay. And that's what our stories, that's what our brands look like when we don't have a point of view mm. and we don't have a story to tell okay. and we don't take the time to do those things. That's why we don't stand out. Mm. The politicians, the gurus, uh, the, the entrepreneurs, 
who stand out have a point of view, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Elon Musk, doesn't matter. They have an opinion and it can get overbearing at times, but you at least know where they stand. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm by no means implying that we have to be as loud as Donald Trump or as quirky as Elon Musk or even as rich and powerful as these people or others. My point is that you know where they stand. True. You know where Elon Musk stands on Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, and Kurt, like, you know where Trump stands on a number of different issues, right? And uh, that's what's important. You have to have a point of view, and that's what makes you stand out. Gotcha. Okay. One of the things you talk about in the book, uh, different types of entrepreneurs, you, one you call a how-to-preneur versus an idea-preneur. Can you compare and contrast those for us? Yeah. So a how-to-preneur basically uh, shows you how to do something or does it for you. Mm. I am a how-to-preneur. What I mean by that is people ask me, how do I market my business mm. or can you market my business for me? And usually there's a process and that's why my book reads like an eight step blueprint. There's a step-by-step thing and there's a huge market for this. The two biggest search terms on YouTube or Google is how to, or how do I, you know, fill in the blank. Right. An ideapreneur has a perspective or philosophy that they're trying to spread. Mm. And oftentimes they're not even really trying to solve a problem. Mm. So one of the, they are, but not directly. They're more trying to raise awareness of an issue. Oh. So an example of this would be, in my opinion, Dr. Brene Brown. And many people know Brene Brown because her TED Talk is famous and she's written a bunch of books in recent years that have really taken off. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Brown works quite a lot in the areas of vulnerability and shame. Mm. But her book does not read like a 10-step program on how to overcome shame. Right. It's raising awareness about vulnerability and shame. Because last time I checked, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I wonder how I'm going to be more vulnerable today. <laughs> do that. Right. They're not even aware yeah. that they're struggling with this. Mm-hmm. So they need to be aware that there's a problem that exists in the first place. Mm-hmm. Then once they're problem aware, they can start doing the work. But ideapreneurs sit right at that first step, trying to help people realize or raise awareness about something that they don't realize is bothering them, right? Mm, So um, ideapreneurs do not usually have a step-by-step process or a how-to process. And oftentimes in this space that I'm in, in the expert space, it's a very different path to monetization. Mm -hmm. Dr. Brown talks about this very, very clearly in one of her Netflix specials. Her fame was kind of a a lucky break. Mm. She did a TED Talk. It accidentally went viral and she was not prepared for it. She also (laughs) wasn't prepared for the the kind of hateful comments that she would get online. Wow. So she gave a 20-minute TED Talk on how to be, you know, on being vulnerable and why it's so important. But she doesn't lay out a five, 10-step program. I mean, you know, TED Talks, we've all seen TED Talks. They are not like that. No. TED Talks raise awareness about certain issues. Right. So she writes this, she writes, she does this talk. And little do people realize that for years on end, she was a researcher and a professor. And she'd written a lot of books. Nobody, people just didn't know about her. Right. This TED Talk blew her up. And what happened? People digested her content, watched her speech in what I 
in the same manner I just shared a few minutes ago, at their own pace and in their own space. Because mm-hmm. it is a very personal issue, vulnerability and shame. Yes. And yes. people are reading and, and watching her talk and they're saying, oh, that's why I'm so miserable. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why I'm, I'm unhappy in my life. And then she eventually wrote a book about it and they, they digested her book and they read it at their own pace and in their own space. And they're, she's like my friend. <laughs> she is a beacon of hope. I love yeah. Brene. Yeah, you know, the people like are like on a first name basis with her now because sure. her fans sure. are like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you think about how did she monetize? Did she monetize through book sales? I'll tell you right now, book sales don't make you a ton of money. No. She shared an idea, Daring Greatly. That was her idea. It's a philosophy. How about we live in a daringly great way? Mm-hmm. And whatever that looks like for you, live in a daring way. And then she created, you know, she wrote a book, she created a a certification course, her speaking fees have gone up. But at the end of the day, John, you don't walk away with something in your hand. That's true. She's an ideapreneur, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas if I'm working with you and I'm a how-topreneur, you're walking away literally with a website or sales pages or copy or your plumbing that's fixed. Right. It's much more concrete. And mm-hmm. people get those two things mixed up all the time. For sure, for sure. Thanks for clarifying that for us. Yeah. Um, there is a phrase that I have heard you say many, many times over the years, and I'm going to bring it up now, and I, I need for you to flesh that out for us because it is, it's significant. So success is sequential, not simultaneous. Go. Yeah, so a lot of folks look at business or even life and they look at other people who are out there and they've quote unquote made it and they feel like they have to have all these things happen at once Mm. Uh, in in my own particular business um people look at me and they say well he's a speaker he's a coach he has a podcast he has a blog now he's an author Mm -hmm. he's done business events he's held conferences i need to do all this within the next year and they try to do all these things at once and they don't realize that I've built this year by year over the last eight years. Yeah. yeah. 2013 was the year I started blogging. And I said, hell or high water, I'm going to blog every Monday. 2014, I started my podcast. Mm-hmm. But I added that to the blog. 2015, mm, yeah. I started my first mastermind groups, which are group coaching groups. And I was able to fill them because for two years, I had blogged. And for a year, I had done a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you see? Mm-hmm. And... When I, when I started those mastermind groups, I was able to monetize in a very different fashion. And that's the year that I went full-time in my business. Mm. It really, really went full-time. 2016, I started launching products like courses. And the reason I was able to do that with confidence was because I masterminded for, with people for a year. And I, by that time, I'd podcasted for two years and I'd blog for three years. Mm. So I had a lot of expertise that was accumulating over time. And on and on it went. 2017 was the first year I did a live business event. How did I fill the event? Because I had a bunch of people who took my course and they wanted to come meet me and yeah. meet each other and work together. 2018 was the year of, uh, of speaking. Mm-hmm. I started getting a lot of speaking invitations. Why? Because I held my own event and people saw pictures of me at my own event. And I'd been podcasting now for four, five, four years. And people were like, he must not suck. <laughs> Why doesn't he come to our event? 
like let's have him speak i saw a few yeah. videos of him online oh yeah it's, john is it's literally that's how it happened 2019 was the year of doing more video i was doing more instagram and more youtube i was starting to get yeah. my feet wet in that 2020 was a year of launch writing the book Mm-hmm. And here we are in 2021. It's the year of launching the book. And that's all yeah. I'm doing this year. But I'm still doing all those other things that right. I did in previous years. So people look at this and they don't realize that it was built year over year. And that line, success is sequential, not simultaneous, I got from Gary Keller, okay. who's the founder of Keller Williams, you know, real estate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is great so company, true. by the way. Fantastic. Great company. And we have to understand that things are not built in a day. And that every person's path is slightly different. I'm not saying that people have to do it in the order I did it. It was just the order I did it. But be, be aware of how you need to build. Mm. You know, one of the reasons uh, I didn't speak early on in my life was because I didn't have vacation days. Oh, yeah. So when I was working my full-time job, why would I take three days out to go speak somewhere when I didn't have a book, when I didn't have a product? Nobody knew, knew who I was. I didn't have a podcast. Mm-hmm. it made everything else harder okay and i didn't want to be a professional speaker by trade mm. i chose to coach and to consult so that was the path that was right for me gotcha. other people the path is different it mm-hmm. just depends and that's why you hire coaches and you work you know some people work with me directly mm-hmm. to kind of unpack all of that what is the best path for me moving forward sure. and that's just what it was like for me that's what it was like for me oh for sure yeah uh you know, I, I get a little leery of anyone who wants to exactly follow how I did something or how I, how I got to certain levels of success. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. You're not me. You're you. Let's figure out what's best for you and then go forward from there. And I would assume some of these people that you're working directly with, you have to have those kind of conversations. Well, absolutely. But that's why I don't speak in absolutes either. <laughs> I like to use frameworks. Okay. Because yeah. if, if I give a blueprint and like, Hey, these are guiding principles. These are the things that should guide you. Yeah. What that looks like for you is up to you. And when I, when I do need to be absolute, I'm very absolute. <laughs> I tell them this is gospel. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to look like the way I do it, but you have to do this in yeah. one way or another. And in the book, I, that's what those steps are. You have to have a point of view. I don't care who you are. You have to have a point of view. You have to have personal stories. That's step number two. No. You have to think through your positioning and your platform and your products and your pitch and your pricing and your partners. You have to do these eight things that are in the blueprint yeah. of the book, but they will look very different for, our, for one person compared to the next, but you have to do that. And that's why in the book, I try to share my stories. I share stories of other people I've worked with. Mm-hmm. I want to give the reader and the listener a wide breadth of things to choose from, but you have to do them. Oh, yeah. All right. I want to bring up one other thing that I've heard you say before, and I know you mentioned in the book, relationships are rocket ships. Man, we have got to hear more about what that means. Yeah. The bottom line is no one can make it alone. You, know, No one makes it alone. Right. And when we see that there are folks out there who are always collaborating, have you ever noticed all the experts collaborate with each other? Yes. You do. Cause you can do more together than alone. Yes. John Maxwell, one of my for- former clients, you know, he used to say this all the time. I think it was taken from some proverb, you know, African proverb or Chinese proverb or whatever. But if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. 
Yeah. And over the years, I've just slowly over time built rapport relationships, sometimes even friendships, not all relationships in business are friendships, but I've done my part to build relationships with people. Every person that's endorsed my book has been one of those relationships and they have been relationships that I've nurtured sometimes for years and they're not friends per se. They're mm-hmm. colleagues, they're fellow professionals, they respect my work, they respect me, and I likewise. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, whenever you need anything, reach out. Yeah. And this was the year I was like, hey, remember a couple of years ago, you said, I literally emailed a few people and I said that. Yeah. Because we hadn't talked regularly, we're not friend friends. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, you remember a few years ago, you said, if I ever need anything to reach out, would you endorse my book and have me on your podcast? No, like, yeah. Absolutely. And so you'll see me on these, these big platforms and people will, will ask, wow, it's probably just because Mike's some big name <laughs> that they accepted him. No, man. I met them event after event. Mm-hmm. I took some of their, some, in some cases, I took their programs mm-hmm. and I made a name for myself within their student body, if you will. Yeah. Um, other times I've, I've helped people clean up their, their um, display style at a conference. Oh. And we, I just, do you need some help? I just saw, you know, one of these guys. I was like, do you need some help? Like, yeah. And I'd help him out. And we just, thank you for, for being so helpful. Never ask him for anything. Just be a person. Just be a friend. Right. right. And through that time, and I did good work that was recommendable by them. Mm. You know, that, that was my part. I had to be recommendable. I had to do things that made it easy for people to refer me and say, yeah, that's a call. Mike's a quality guy. He does really good work. Mm-hmm. You should definitely follow him so that without a blink, they're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll absolutely endorse your book. We'd be happy to do that. You know, That's and yeah, I talk about different strategies in there on how I did these things, but at the bottom line, the bottom line is that relationships are rocket ships and you can't expect to make it alone in business without people in your corner. For sure. For sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, Mike, we're getting close to wrap up time because I want to I want to honor your time as well as the listeners and viewers. Uh, a couple really quick things. First thing is, when is the book coming out? Can we pre-order it? Anything like that? Yeah, the book, the street date for the book is Tuesday, July 13th, 2021. Okay. Um, you can get all of the uh, information for the book at youarethebrandbook.com. You can pre-order it there. Wherever you choose to buy the book, if you just send us your receipt, we will email you a bunch of complimentary bonuses that go along with the book. Um, these are these are like jelly to the peanut butter nice. you know, for the book. So we've got a whole magazine of stories of people who have made the leap from a corporate career or some other kind of employment into a full-time expert business as a personal brand. We've got a bunch of stories because again, you don't want to be alone. You need, and, and I'm not the only pathway forward. So I just thought it'd be helpful for readers to have some context from other people who've done this in different ways. Yeah. Uh, number two, we have a guide on technology and the, and the systems that I use to run a business like this. Cause as a solopreneur, oh, so we helpful. can't farm out and hire full-time teams. Mm-hmm. You need to rely on a few systems. And so I take all that apart. Number three, we have a website and a branding guide, mm. right? How to lay out your website, uh, what brand guidelines should look like, how to make sure that the look of your business uh, is intentional and strategic. Mm. Uh, number four, 
I have a video that I shot about 20 minutes long, uh, direct to camera that explains how I wrote the book. Oh, not just like what I say in the book, but how I intentionally crafted the chapters to mm -hmm. bake the marketing of the book right into the book. I was nice. very strategic about that. Nice. And number five, there's a guide on protecting your intellectual property. Oh, okay. So here we are. We're sharing all these ideas, doing podcasts and whatnot. And uh, we're trying to build a business based off our ideas and our expertise. How do you protect them? So all these bonuses, which are pretty awesome, by the way. Yeah. You get free with the book as well as all the downloadable templates oh, okay. and swipe files that are inside the book. Because awesome. I, I used to hate it when I'd buy a book and like, there's really good content in there. And they said, yeah, take this template. And now what am I going to do? Retype the whole thing on my computer out of the, the, the book holding in my hands. <laughs> so I'm just trying to make this like super easy and helpful for people. Yeah. And so just go to, you are the brand book. There are also some bulk options there. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not as much bulk options as they are. If you want to work with me one-on-one -on -one as a coach mm. or have me speak to your group, there are like six different versions. If you want a two-day private workshop, there's an option there. Okay. And this is the only way that I'll be working with people for the rest of the year wow. uh, directly uh, because, you know, my, I've got to be cognizant of my time. Yeah, you do. So um, all the information is there. If you've ever wanted to work with me as a coach one-on-one -on -one and wondered like, hey, how do I do this? Uh, all that information is there. I'm donating 50% of the proceeds to Love 146, which is a charity uh, for kids that I support. So wow. all that information is at youarethebrandbook.com. Sweet. Okay, folks, we'll be sure to include all of that in the show notes. Um, I'm going to put out one other thing here. And you guys know I do this anytime I have a guest on who also happens to have a book. I'm going to offer this now. And I waited till the end because I wanted you guys to listen or watch all the way through. When this comes out with your handy dandy little phone, I need you to take a screenshot of this particular episode. You have to tag Mike and you have to tag me both, both of us. When you do that and you post it, the first person who does that is gonna get a personally signed copy of Mike's book on me. I will pay for it. I'll make sure it gets to you. I'll make sure you and Mike connect so he can get the book to you. But that's my gift to all of you. If you're the first one. <laughs> Very cool. That's very so, generous of you. Thank you, John. You bet. I'm super excited about that. And folks, when we're done with this particular interview, I'm going to be going on Mike's site and I'm going to be ordering books. So, and for those of you who know anything about me, you know, when I buy books, I always buy multiple ones. I used to loan out books and never get them back. And it frustrated me. So I stopped that. Now it's my practice. I buy a minimum of two books every time. One for me and one to give away. I don't loan out books anymore. I just give them. And that's, that's just a practice, and I highly recommend doing that. So get multiple copies of Mike's book. You will not regret it. Send it out there for anybody who, even if they're great in business, they're going to learn something from this, somebody who's brand new at it, someone who you think, you know what, they're just going to benefit from this. Do that. If nothing else, do it for the bonuses. Do it for the bonuses because those things, I'm not even going to begin to calculate the value of those bonuses. But Mike, I would say based on what you shared with me, just those five that you mentioned, I mean, we're talking, it's gotta be close to 20 grand worth of stuff there. Easy. Yeah. And what's fun about it is that um, we're going to do some live calls for anyone who buys the book uh, oh, for wow. five weeks. Yeah. So if you pre-order the book every week before the actual street date of the book, 
I'm going to do a live call <sighs> based on the topic of the bonuses. So, oh man, it's, it's going to be pretty killer. It's like, it's like having group coaching. Yeah, it is. Uh, oh my yeah, gosh. So, I am so excited about yeah. pre-ordering my books now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just 20 go- something, 20 some odd dollars for the hardcover. Or, yeah. Was it 18 bucks for the soft cover? It's pretty much a steal. So, oh my, it's totally away. It yeah. totally is. All right, Mike, we're going to wrap up with the final four, but I've got new ones, everybody. I've brought, I've specifically crafted four brand new questions because we have a new season of relationships and revenue. So Mike, you're the first person I'm trying these out on. Okay. Let's All right. So here away. we go. Final four. The first one, what keeps you up at night? Oh man. What keeps me up at night is usually I have a tar- hard time going to sleep. Okay. Um, it's usually I am trying to shut my brain off. Oh, I'm the same. I always have lots of ideas. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm always thinking about stuff with work and I've been really, really trying to be intentional about shutting that off, but that's what keeps me up at night. Just thinking about things at work and mm-hmm. the people I work with and um, how I'm going to make all this happen. That yeah. definitely keeps me up at night. <laughs> okay. Question number two, what brings you the most joy in life? Uh, hang out with my nephews. Yeah. I just love that. I love seeing them. Uh, not all the time. They tire me out. I'm not their dad. So I'm like, I give them back. But true joy, that's what gives me true joy. Um, and a close second would just be doing the work that I love doing. Mm-hmm. You know, folks, if you follow Mike at all, him talking about his nephews, I could have guessed that. Because <laughs> when he puts them on there, it's not hard to tell that he loves them. It's also not hard to tell they tire him out. But <laughs> kids are good for that. Trust me. Yes. They are. All right. Question number three, who is investing in you right now, Mike? I think the people who are investing in me are the folks, the coaches that I'm certifying for you are the brand. Uh, I, I handpicked 12 people. Oh, wow. Uh, to, for the first year Mm. to, uh, teach the content that's in this book. Gotcha. And, uh, they're investing in me to train them, to help them, to open doors for them. And that's been really, really rewarding for me because mm. uh, we've been doing a lot of work together these last couple of months leading up to the book launch. Okay. And the world is going to know about them. Like I want them to ride the wave along with me as we launch this book. And that's who's investing in me. So I, I really am appreciative of that. And I take it as a, a sacred trust. Very cool. Very cool. That also sounds like in the near future, we're going to be hearing about other opportunities for folks to get certified in You Are the Brand. Yeah, it'll be a while, but yeah, we're That's thinking all right. That That's all right. Something yeah. to look forward to. Yep. All right. And our final question, number four. If, hold on, I, had, I wrote this one down, so it's kind of long. Um, if you were, if you were, Okay. I don't know why I worded it this weird way. I'll have to change it up. But essentially, if you were headed into witness protection and you could only bring one person with you, who would it be and why? Man, go into witness protection with me. And I mean, you have person. to cut off all contact with everyone else except one person. The one person gets to come with you. Who is that and why? I suppose it would be either my mother or my sister, but it's just because they're family, you know? Okay, yeah, um, I get that. If, yeah, I mean, that would just be it. Like, just because they're family. Okay. Um, not because of anything. I mean, they, yeah, because of, because they're family, but not because like of any ulterior motive. It's just that that's what <laughs> I would care about. So sure. yeah, it'll be them. 
It would be them. Okay. My mom or my sister, whoever's still alive. Gotcha. <laughs> Probably my mom. My sister has responsibilities like with the kids and stuff. So <clears throat> right. In which, by the way, folks, if you ever get to see any videos of Mike hanging out with his mom, oh my gosh, she is. She could have her own show for yeah, real. She could. She's yeah, hilarious. She's, <laughs> she's hilarious. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Love the opportunity always to talk with you, but definitely to be able to talk specifically about your brand new book, You Are the Brand. I am so excited for this book to come out in July and for you to be able to share even more of who you are with the world. Thank you so much for having me, John. Thank you all to, to those who have tuned in. And uh, I hope you'll pick up a copy of the book and enjoy it. And Thank you so much. You bet. Listeners, viewers, thank you all for being here. And as always, we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.